Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. On this edition of the Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide, I'm Maddie Lee and joined by an incredible panel of women in sports journalism for Women's History Month. We talk about the women who have paved the way for us, the biggest barriers that we still face, the future of women's sports, and what we can do to maintain progress. Let's play two. Welcome to another edition of the Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide. From our wonderful producers, Tony Yo and Danny Wysocki, I'm Maddie Lee. And today we have an incredible panel of women in sports journalism here. A couple months ago, we did that women in baseball panel. And now for Women's History Month, we've expanded it out to sports in general. And I could not be more excited to bring in this amazing group of women. We've got Layla Rahimi, co-host of the Bernstein and Rahimi show on the score. We've got Courtney Hall, host of Chicago Today and for the Bulls. We've got Julie DeCaro, senior writer and editor at Deadspin and author of the new book, Sideline Sports Culture and Being a Woman in America. And of course, Annie Costable, Red Stars reporter for the Sun-Times, host of the Equal Play podcast. Thank you all so much for joining me. Yes. Hey. In the spirit of Women's History Month, I do want to start by highlighting some of the women who have really made a difference in any of our careers and kind of paved the way for us. So Julie, I know you have someone in mind. Why don't you kick us off? I do. So I have been watching. Well, I actually have two women. I I promise I won't take up a ton of time. But (laughs) number one, the only reason I ever even thought that I could be in sports reporting was because Melissa Isaacson was covering the Bulls when I was in high school. And she was, you know, the only woman I saw doing that kind of beat reporting anywhere in or around Chicago. Um, So I I know that for journalism class, we had to get uh, we had to subscribe to a newspaper and everybody picked the New York Times except me who picked the Chicago Tribune because I wanted to read. Isaacson. So that's the first one. And then I've uh, somehow, I don't know what I did in a past life to deserve Andrea Kramer sort of 
plucking me out and being like, I'm going to be your mentor. Um, but she has as a shoulder to cry on is someone who like picks me up, dusts me off, turns me around and kind of shoves me back in the direction I came. Like she is really wonderful. And, you know, I think that it's often, um, when we're talking about women who are in different generations, you sort of wonder how they're going to react to this stuff, because how do you tell someone who was like one of the first people in a locker room, like, Oh, my job is so hard. Um, but I've found that that generation of women has been nothing but incredibly embracing and encouraging and sort of like holding the door open for the rest of us. So I, I, Andrea and Melissa both mean a lot to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Layla, do you have anyone? Uh, too many to count. I think, frankly, uh, the women on this panel, I am very proud to be alongside. I think they've all made huge contributions to the city of Chicago sports and nationwide as well. So I would start with them and that includes you as well, Maddie, but also just the women I worked with along the way. When you're stressed out about something, when you have questions about something, who are you talking to in your daily life and your job? And I have been really, really fortunate when I think of the people that I've worked alongside. Inspirations, I think, include, because I grew up in the Dallas, Texas area, Christy Scales, who is the sideline reporter for the Dallas Cowboys radio broadcasts. I think she is just fabulous, a font of information and a real example. Also, female sports anchors and news anchors as well, because a lot of times, Growing up, we didn't have those in television. We didn't have sports anchors to look to. So we looked to the women who were news anchoring because that was considered a man's job for a very long time, especially there. But coworkers like Kelly Johnson, who used to be at NBC Sports Bay Area, she worked with me in Houston. Amy Fadul, who is still at NBC Sports in Philadelphia. I'm very proud to call them friends and just thankful to have their advice. Julie, of course, to me is a big name and, and you guys know that here in Chicago so to be mentioned alongside her in the space I'm in now, I find to be a compliment. And then additionally, just the women we work alongside here in town, whether it's the people who are on this panel, Megan Mawicki, who is at the CBS station here, Lauren Majera at WGN, Taylor McGregor at Marquee. These are people, Dion, for example, who I just really, really appreciate working alongside and being able to call them colleagues. Yeah, well said. Courtney? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, all of you ladies here. And then, um, like Layla just said, uh, you know, looking up to other news anchors in the business, one person who stands out is Cheryl Burton from Channel 7, because I remember being a reporter just starting out in Champaign, and somehow my dad saw her at a function or somehow got her email address or whatever, gave it to me and told me to email her. So I just like kind of cold emailed her, said, hey, can you look at my reel? She did. She got back to me not knowing who I am or anything. And she was so nice and just gave me nothing but encouragement. Um, so that really stood out to me. And now I know her and now we're friends and we you know, DM each other all the time. So it's like a full circle moment for me. She was just the sweetest, but I've been lucky enough to work for several really great women. I could say Jen Lyons when I was at WGN. Now I work for um, Julie Maddox, who's the executive producer of Chicago Today on NBC. And also Michelle McComas, who is head of Bulls Entertainment. Um, so <laughs> All of my recent bosses have been female. And let me tell you, it's been wonderful um, because, it, you know, to some extent, it breaks down a barrier 
in terms of like a comfort level when you're going into their office and you need to be like, look, this is what's going on with me. And you, you feel this level of understanding. So I've been very lucky. Awesome. Yeah. Annie. Um, the first woman who really made a difference in my career was Sarah Kustak. Actually, I met her, I was on a trip to a Sox game for college, um, through the university of Iowa. We went to a game and, and got to be a part of the media. And, um, at one point in pregame, I saw Sarah kind of standing off to the side and I just looked at it as an opportunity to introduce myself. And so I did. And she, I mean, we all know Sarah, I'm sure. So she is just like the most genuinely kind person. And so it wasn't like a brush off, like, oh, let me get rid of this, this young girl. She gave me her card. She told me to email her and she really just in the next couple of years gave me a ton of great advice. But when I transitioned into from broadcasting to writing, a lot of the women who helped me along the way were, were peers, were friends. And, and one is Courtney Cronin. She covers the Vikings for the, uh, for ESPN. And I mean, man, she has just like impacted my career in so many great ways. And then when I think about women like Julie and Maggie who have Maggie Hendricks, who like really done so much for women in terms of giving us the confidence to speak up, stand up, fight for, for what we deserve and what's right. Those are two women who have impacted my career greatly just from watching from the sidelines. And then, you know, in, in being in the same space as them, getting advice, on the daily or, or whenever I, I'm able to see them in person. So those are a few women. And then of course, everyone on this panel, obviously I'm, I'm motivated and inspired by everybody that, that takes up space, all the women that take up space in, in the sports landscape here in Chicago. I just want to see it continue to grow. Cause I think we all know that there aren't enough women taking up space here in the sports landscape in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. Obviously my dog, agrees with there. he's a he's he's not a woman in sports but he's a big fan of women in sports um such great names there I want to throw in obviously there's a ton that we we aren't going to be able to touch on in this span but I want to throw in Christine Brennan and all yes. of the other founders of the Association of Women in Sports Media they've done incredible things for my career um other women that I've worked in the same arenas as or you know, side by side include Jenny Carlson and Candace Buckner. Um, my mom <laughs> is is not in sports, but she's one of those women who was who was she grew up pre Title IX, but still was like playing rec sports when I was a kid and when she was an adult. And so I think that really showed me that yeah, this is an arena that's open to women. Um, but I mean, not all of us are. I've loved all my bosses, but not all of us are as lucky as Courtney to have so many female bosses to work with. And there are still so many, I mean, yes, sports in general are, is very male dominated, but there are arenas like radio, which Julie and Layla can attest to that are really still one of the frontiers that we haven't completely tapped into play-by-play. Play. It's really rare to see a woman doing, what do you guys see as still 
the biggest barriers to having more women in the industry in general, but also in those spaces that are especially male dominated? I think when I think of areas that are, are still so uh, off, off, uh, out, out of reach or, or feel out of reach, it's the positions you just described like radio and, and then in sports editor positions. Like I think about all my jobs I've held, I've never worked for a, a woman sports editor. And, and that really, breaks my heart because then you think about this fight for equal coverage, men's sports versus women's sports, and how different it would be if we had a woman in these positions to, to advocate for the, the fair coverage of women's sports and men's sports. So I, I don't know what the answer is to that, but those are areas that still for me feel very off limits. Like I might not even be considered, or I I might not even have a shot to get those kinds of jobs. I think play by play for me is a huge one. And, you know, I went to journalism school in college growing up, having wanted to do play by play for the Cubs. Like that's what I wanted to do my entire life. Um, and that's why I went into journalism school. Um, so hearing Beth Moen's call a Cubs game on marquee, even though it was spring training was such a huge moment. Like I, she talked to me for my book and, and I know what she went through to get where she is in football. Um, and so for her to be able to transition over to baseball that easily and do such a fantastic job and have it be so universally acclaimed, I think is so important because there's still this attitude out there. Like, well, you never played the sport. Like, you know, first of all, I mean, I grew up post title nine, like we all grew up playing hopefully in the neighborhood with the boys. Like I played tons of baseball, you know, like just because I didn't play at a pro level doesn't mean I don't understand the game or the rules. And, you know, we don't have that same rule for men who haven't played like Bob Costas's infamous sports career, like Al Michael as a jock or like, I mean, you know, I mean, like we just don't require those, those, those same things of men. So every time a woman steps up, even though we should be so much further along than we are every time someone like Beth Moen steps up and calls the Chicago Cubs game and just blows the doors off. I feel like it's such an important moment for all of us. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. And I feel like play by play is one of those last frontiers for women in the space that they're in. And unfortunately radio, I definitely feel the same way. The, overwhelming population who consumes sports radio, as we know, has been 25 to 54. That's always the target demo that they discuss. Well, I am not a man who fits that category. I'm a woman who fits that category, but that makes it an outsider perspective when you're trying to appeal to that kind of demographic when you know it going in. Now, of course, we're happy to have everybody listen, but that's just the traditional viewpoint when it comes to who listens to sports talk radio. And Maddie, I'm going to point out one that you and I both celebrated pretty hard on Twitter, I know, because we were posting stuff at the same time, is front offices of teams. To see Kem Egg of the Marlins get a GM job gives me goosebumps now to describe. That is an inspiration that I didn't realize I was going to have so much emotion about when I saw happen. That's a position I never thought in my lifetime I would see a woman hold, a general manager of a baseball team. And it was so inspiring to not just even see the simple announcement, but to think about what that would mean for so many other women in college who thought that that might not actually be a possible position for them. Mm -hmm. And now it is in charge, making the decisions. And I think that it starts with the top down. And that was really amazing to see. 
Courtney, as someone who has worked for so many women, what do you think the key is to getting women in those positions of power, whether it be in media or as Layla just alluded to in, in actual sports? Well, I agree with what Layla said. It's, it's something that starts from the top down. And like you said, with Kim Ang, like, yeah, I, I didn't expect to be so moved by that either because I mean, I'm a baseball fan, but I'm like more so I have to be at the game with a beer. Like I'm not just like watching baseball at home. Um, but when I saw that, I'm like, wow. And then I was starting to think, why? Why so long? Like it, like playing baseball doesn't have to is doesn't need to be a prereq for this position. So so why has it taken so long? Um, but I definitely think it starts with the top down. I definitely felt the difference from a woman being in charge and me working for a woman versus a man being in charge. And, you know, I definitely like felt the difference in vibe and the difference in what I felt that I could achieve within the organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What about just in daily, our daily worlds, right? Not even those those positions like play-by-play, play, but just in our day-to-day work, what are those, we talk a lot about diversity versus inclusion, right? Having people there versus having people feel like they have an actual seat and voice at the table. What are the day-to-day barriers that you guys have experienced and how can we keep pushing forward and, and breaking those barriers down? Well, this is the third straight job I've had where I'm the only woman in the room. I mean, where I, on a daily basis, go days and don't even see other women. Um, You know, it happened to me at WGN. It happened at the score, unless it was Saturday and Maggie was there with me. Um, And it's happened. It's at the job I'm at now. I'm once again, the only woman, which to me is amazing in 2021 that that can happen anywhere. And I still see all the time, like, Hey, we're announcing our new show and it's four white guys, which just blows me away. And back to what Layla was saying about the demographic that sports radio targets, I have always pushed back against that and said, you know, in a time when everyone is trying to expand the audience, why would you not try to reach out to other groups that, that haven't necessarily been here or don't feel comfortable here? Um, and I've never really gotten a good answer for that. I, I don't understand. And I think one of the things that is difficult is that none, none of these jobs I think that we're in necessarily reflect the fan base of sports, right? They certainly don't when it comes to women. They don't when it comes to black folks and people of color. They don't when it comes to the LGBTQ community. They just don't look like the rest of America looks. And so, you know, again, alluding to what Layla was saying, there is sort of a dominant viewpoint that comes from having so many of one kind of person in these jobs. And when you don't agree with that, or you don't echo that you're the outlier and you're just sort of out there twisting in the wind sometimes um, as the only person who will say this is a problem or the only person who will call something out. I feel like every woman I know in sports has been in that position at one time or more times. And, and I think that is really difficult. And I I think what it, what it leads to is Mm self-censoring from women who say, you know, I feel like I need to speak up about this, but I just don't have the bandwidth to deal with the trolls today or the backlash today. So I'm just not going to say anything. And then we're self-limiting the voices that are in this space. So it's just sort of a self-perpetuating cycle that's all brought on by um, the sort of monolithic media industry. Yeah. And to that point, it's like that dominant group has become the gatekeeper of what 
we get to cover and what gets covered. And so again, speaking from my experience covering women's sports, it it's like a whole nother challenge in itself. You're like fighting for coverage of teams that should be covered the same exact way that we're covering the men's teams in, in our city, but it doesn't get the same clicks. It doesn't get the same views. So then you get into the, you know, the breakdown of of why and, and how and what, and all these excuses and reasons why we're doing it differently. But the bottom line is exactly what Julie said. It's, it's this dominant group that's been controlling, um, this industry for so long that we have to continue to fight to break into and, and, you know, change the future of what this industry looks like. And that can be really exhausting some days. And, you know, again, to what Julie said, I, um, the only spaces I've really worked with other women were in broadcasting. When I moved down to Mississippi, I was the only woman in the sport on the sports team. And, then when I moved back up to Chicago, I now am, you know, working with Madeline Kenny, who, man, can't even say how, how valuable it is to have like a colleague that you are like in it with. It makes such a difference, but you know, I'm 30 years old and that's the first time I've had a teammate, um, you know, that is a woman. It is exhausting. And it's not just the fact that you don't fit what, corporate America has determined as the target demographic for ad sales, but also the fact that every day we're told how dumb we are. We are told that we made mistakes we never even made because people are so intent on listening for them that their bias is completely crowded. I am told how to act and I am projected on. And the fact that I don't fit their viewpoint of me to them is a problem. And Annie and Julie are absolutely correct. It is nothing but exhausting. How dare we have jobs, I guess. Sometimes I reply with, oh man, guess I better quit. And usually if I take it to the extreme of the take, that quells the discussion for about a minute. But that's where that inclusion comes in. And we look at it a lot of times through a TV lens where you see more of a diverse on-air <laughs> staff and that presentation matters because you don't get the same type of projection from your viewers because they're used to seeing people. It's a subtle discussion that people don't even know they're actually accepting. Mm. And that's just not the case in print media, whether right. it's book or newspaper or in radio, for example, or when they're looking at who they expect to be the announcers coming into their living rooms when they're listening to or watching games. Because I do not fit their bill. They have decided that they need to tell me how to be. Mm-hmm. Right, it, it just, it takes somebody, and this goes back to like the top down. It takes people taking that chance and know that they're going to get backlash when they put this person forward. Um, and just know that, but then the public will accept it. And, and, you know, sometimes you just, well, I wouldn't even say sometimes you just have to lead that way. We've seen it in every single, we've seen it when we put like black people on TV, where the first idea came to be, it was like, oh, people don't want to see black people on TV. Like what? (laughs) We know they're out here, but like, we can't put them on TV. And then we did. Okay. And so it, it, that it's that type of gutsiness, that type of moxie that needs to happen from the top down 
and you need to have like bosses and GMs and station managers to be like, F these people who have a problem right. with it. This right. is what we stand for. Right. And like to go off of that, just to, to bring up another point, Midge Purse had the most beautiful quote yesterday at the White House talking about how can we, exp- we we wouldn't expect a flower to bloom without water and proper care. And we <clears throat> expect women's sports to succeed. We somehow continue to get this message that, oh, when the numbers are there, when the fans show up, that's when we'll give a shit. Excuse my language. But yeah. it's like, what are we saying? The fans aren't going to show up. The clicks aren't going to be there. The readers aren't going to click, follow these stories, subscribe, all of this stuff, unless we commit to covering it. And well, the media creates the hype. Yes. Right. The media has to be allowed to create the hype around it. I mean, I went to a Chicago sky game and it was one of the most exciting basketball games I've ever seen. You wouldn't think it by what we cover on television and, and the media, but we can create the same excitement for that that we do around men's basketball. Exactly. Just like with tennis, we pick out certain people that have the personalities and the media can promote that. And that's what we need to do. Well, and, and we you know, part that. of it, go ahead. This summer, we saw that with the, the wobble, right? When women's sports were on TV, regularly people tuned in same with the same with the nwsl women's sports um numbers skyrocketed while others plummeted and it's because the fan base is there we just need to give it the correct attention and platform i mean talking about environments the chicago red stars after every game these women walk around the stadium and shake the hands of young boys and girls and tell them how thankful they are that they are they interact they like change lives and we somehow are still throwing the idea at them that Oh, when when they the fans show up, then we'll then we'll care. Well, yeah, and it oh, Candace Parker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Candace Parker. And, and it always comes back to me to the idea that everyone's afraid to take a risk. And I'm sure Layla knows this because I, I have some idea of like what you deal with when you're on the air looking at the text line. You know, and Maggie and I, when we would talk about, we'd give the scores of the Red Stars game, or we'd give the score of the Sky game, and like the the deluge of nobody cares about women's sports, nobody wants to hear this. Shut up about it, like right. because for ten seconds we talked about it. And I think that that backlash is really scary to a lot of people in positions of power, but you the reason that we are interested in men's sports is because we know the stories right everybody knows who's got beef with who who's coming back to watch to play against an old team who's in their last chance at winning a super bowl whatever we always (laughs) know the stories and with the women those stories have not been told by and large so when you have stuff like this summer where you see like the wnba leading everyone and on the racial justice movement, or when you see the women's soccer team and the women's hockey teams leading the the fight for equal pay across the board, people start to recognize those women. They start to know their stories. They start to hear their history and people see Candace Parker shutting Shaq down like weekly. So now they know things about her and now they'll tune in to watch. But you know, someone, someone said something interesting to me. I think it was Howard Magdal, who's a great advocate for women's sports. He was like, let's put 25 years of marketing and money and resources into women's sports the way we have with men. And then let's see what the crowds look like. And I think he's absolutely right. 100%. 100%. 100%. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I also just am curious for all of you guys, like, because when I was coming up in the business, I thought in order to make it, I, first of all, I thought making it meant like broadcasting. Cause those were the women I was seeing everywhere were like women on TV and they always looked perfect and like Barbie dolls. And you were like, Oh my God, Aaron Andrews, like, that's who I have to be if I want a career in this business. Um, but also making it meant covering the NBA, covering uh, major league baseball. And as a woman, I look back on that and I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed that I, I, I completely turned my back on, on other women. It's like, it, it, it breaks my, the soul of who I was then, like the younger version of me. And so I think too now we're able to raise up an entire new generation of reporters, journalists who, who know that they can be so much more and do so much more in this industry. Well, yeah, I think absolutely. when you know better, you do better, right? Yeah. And so when you knew better, you did better. And I was I was fortunate enough to cover some really amazing teams, not just, and producer Danny Wysocki, also a great woman in this space, yes. worked with me at uh, the Olympics in Pyeongchang in South Korea. We both covered the Olympic women's hockey tournament, which I thought put women on an amazing stage. Team USA came away with its first gold since 1998, one of the most exciting hockey games in Olympic history, a shootout. But it wasn't just that space and getting to know those people. It's also being fortunate enough to cover college sports as well, where largely that is, is one of the largest stages for women's sports. And one of the real encouraging moments for me came from when I saw when in Waco, Baylor had Brittany Griner and Kim Mulkey-Robertson, who's considered one of the faces of the sport in the coaching space. And they were taking on a Texas A&M team that was also ranked in the top five. And you had two top five women's basketball teams going at it. And the game was sold out in College Station, Texas. That was a proud moment for me as a sports yeah. fan, because I knew that people who know their sports knew that that was a great game. They wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. And we have those moments where we see these amazing games and we need to publicize them. We need to publish, publicize Candace Parker and not just what she says on TNT, but what she does on the court and coming to her hometown to play. This is yeah. one of the most exciting free agency acquisitions in Chicago, especially this year, guys. We right. needed this one. Right. And it's, it's our job to make sure that we also promote mm -hmm. it as well. 
Right. Absolutely. I, I went through a very similar experience as Annie just described where I, I almost kind of fell into women's sports early on in my career. And it was like at my first internship, my first sports internship with, with the storm. And I grew up watching Sue Bird and got to interview her for the first time. And like, that was the last, because in this industry, when you've done it long enough, you don't have your, your starstruck moments. Yeah. I was so starstruck by her. Um, so that's, that was my last starstruck moment. But then from there I was, the goal was always to cover men's sports, which sucks now looking back and saying that. And I kind of stumbled in to covering women's soccer. Cause I was in Utah covering the men's team and they got a women's soccer team. And the, those are some of the best interviews I've ever done. Cause these women are the best, literal best at their sport in the world and are so gracious with their time. You would have women like Becky Sauerbrunn would get interview requests every single day. And with the men's team, it's like the PR people tried to give them a break. And of course they tried to do the same for Becky, but she was like, no, I'll talk every single day. I'm fine with that. And she would, she would give her time to different outlets and you know, the, the scrum as well, every single day. And that's like Becky's acknowledgement of, I, I have to, this, that's the weight on Becky's shoulders of knowing that like, maybe she doesn't want to do interviews every single day. Maybe she wants to say no to every single interview, but she's not going to, cause she's committed to the growth of her sport. And that's the burden that women playing professional sports carry along with so many other things, including working multiple jobs. And so it's just, it's like, it's mind blowing. <laughs> it's mind blowing that we don't acknowledge the greatness. We haven't even talked about motherhood. Oh my God, that's a whole nother issue. Don't even get, I just wrote a story about this and the, 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 what you learn, it's like society wants women to do so much. They judge us for every little thing. And then on top of it, they want us to become mothers, but get paid less, but come back to work, but also take care of our kids. But, you know, they're not going to pay us if we're not. It's like, there's so many there's so many contradicting issues. Yeah. Yeah. And, and every process. Yeah. And every other reason that people give for not being a fan of women's sports is all bullshit. Like, Oh, they're not as strong as men. Oh, they're not as entertaining because to boil it down, it's human nature. We want to watch competition. We don't care what it is or who it is. We will watch ants racing just as long as it's like a competition. <laughs> So if the marketing went into women's sports, like they managed to do it in tennis, you know, everybody was watching uh, Naomi and Serena, uh, you know, but if the, if the money was behind it, then the crowds would follow. Exactly. I think it goes back to what Julie was saying of like, we don't know these stories well enough to get invested into these teams and these players, because once, once you, once you start to know it, it's, it's thrilling. I mean, this stuff, like my first year at the Sun-Times, I wrote a story about Tierna Davidson. She was uh, the Red Stars rookie at the time. This woman went to Stanford, wanted to be an astronaut and just happened to be a superstar soccer player, like <laughs> U S women's national team player. Like it's like you, 
the, once the stories get told, the fans will come. <laughs> exactly. And what's, what is more exciting than the possibility of carrying another human being while competing in a sport? Oh my like, God. Only women can do that. Like, right. Right. Exactly. And I mentioned the rehab process. I mean, <laughs> talk about, there are obviously tons of really tough injuries to rehab from, but carrying a child and having your entire body change because of your that, pelvis destroyed. Yeah. 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 To yeah. come back from that. And like we've mentioned Serena several times, right. still be at the top of your sport is insane. Well, and survival pulmonary embolism at the same time. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. and again, I know I keep plugging the red stars, but I just had I have to shout out to mothers, Sarah Gordon and Aaron Wright, who, who both have children and are, have returned to peak playing performance. And again, Aaron, I just wrote about and the struggle of coming back. And then on top of it, you have a, you have a child and the Red Stars do do a, a great job caring for the players on their team who are mothers, but they're not obligated to, there's no league wide, you know, um, there's no, there's nothing in place requiring them to, um, but they do. Anyways, Aaron Wright coming back after pregnancy was very honest about, you know, not having any idea how to do it because the trainers aren't, aren't equipped to talk them through it. There's, there's no one who's come before to set that standard. So they're navigating this return to play on their own. And it's, it's just for a woman's league to not have a maternity uh, protection in place is it's mind blowing. Yeah. Julie's had kids. Julie, I can't, you're the only one I think yeah. of, and I'll forgive me if I'm not correct on that, who can speak to any sort of idea of what Serena Williams or any other female athlete who's playing at a pro level can possibly go through. Yeah. I mean, I will just say that after my first child, it was a couple of days before I felt like I could walk properly again, much less, you know, run around on a tennis court. And, and, you know, she survived this, this blood clot that she had, that is a condition that my doctor told me at the time, he was like, Oh, she'll never play again. She can't. Huh. And look, I mean, how many grand slams has she won right. since then? I mean, she's, she's an incredible inspiration. And yeah, I mean, I, I, it really is true. It changes your body forever. And when I see women who return to anything even close to a semblance of what they were before they had children, much less women who perform at the same level, I am in awe. Well, we're all clearly very passionate about these subjects. And <laughs> I, I want to go back to something that was mentioned before about kind of picking your fights because it is exhausting, but we also you know, like a Becky Sauerbrunn who has to, who wants to put herself out there every single day. There are times when you're, you want to pick those fights in order to, to keep moving forward just, and you wear, you wear the weight of like, oh, if, if I ask a stupid question here, that's not just bad reflection on me. That's a bad reflection on women. Like how, how, how do we balance the mental health aspects of all of this? I meditate a lot. Um, I get really bad anxiety sometimes before a big story publishes or I have a big interview for the, all those reasons you just stated. There are, there were nights, are nights that I read through my copy like three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times. 
um, because I'm worried it's going to publish and someone's going to be in my DMs or tweeting at me that I messed this up or that up. Um, so in terms of the mental health aspect of it, I've really tried to honor like my time when I'm not writing or like when I'm not in journalism mode and just, yeah, have that space to watch some corny TV show or, you know, just do something that, that relieves that anxiety. I think you also have to keep in mind that it's pretty sexist when you think about it to be responsible for somebody else because I decided to do something or I decided to say something. What I say or do should not affect any other woman on this panel. We're not related. Y'all don't pay my rent. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, this is the connection that a lot of people want to make. Like Mm -hmm. we all hold hands. We all are like marionettes tied together. And if Mm -hmm. one person does something, well, by God, we all did it. (laughs) This is just a ridiculous thought process. And I was taught in one of my sociology classes in college, the idea of every time you think about something that somebody says about a woman, replace the word with man. Like, oh, well, we had a man do that job once. We can't have any more men. Think about how ridiculous that sounds. Yeah. And so to me, it's the same way when it comes to this idea. Are we partners? Are we teammates? Yes. Do we want to see other people do well? Without a doubt. But at the end of the day, part of not being sexist means that you have to recognize individuals not being responsible or indicative of behaviors of entire groups of people. This is wholly inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Great point. And going back to the mental health aspect of it, like I was waiting to hear what everyone else said because I struggle with anxiety as well. And the week before my book came out, I was absolutely wracked with anxiety. Um, And I don't think, you know, I think that we all, you know, Chrissy Teigen today, when she left Twitter said, you know, everyone sees me as this strong clapback girl and I'm just not. And I feel like that is like so much of this is putting on a brave face and like just putting your head down and doing your work and trying to get through and then you go home and, you know, all those, all those worries and fears that you have come coursing through your brain. Did I make a mistake? Like, did, did I say something that's going to offend someone? Did I, you know, just all those things that, you know, people are going to show up in your DMS for, um, I've been dealing with it all this week and all last week, and it is difficult. And, and there really isn't anyone to go to for help. I mean, you can seek a therapist yourself, but, you know, I really believe that if, employers want us to be out there in the social media world where anyone can say anything to anybody. And we've normalized saying whatever you want to someone who doesn't agree with you, that they need to be responsible for making resources available that we can go to when we have really bad days, because women in sports media have more bad days than they should. Period. (laughs) Completely agree. I, uh, with some of my newfound free time, prior to getting this radio got radio job, I got a therapist. And the idea of uh, trying to not internalize this when our whole job in existence is to listen and value the opinions of others, because that is why we got into this job, is a real conflict. It, it's like, oh, well, listen to these people, but don't listen to others. And you just can't flip switches that easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Courtney, I see you nodding. No, I agree with everything you said. I would, I would just add that like one of the uh, real perks of the old Ajay, which is 
is what I call age is that uh, (laughs) I don't care as much as I used to what some dumbass thinks of me, (laughs) you know, it's like, okay. You know, I, I am going to make mistakes. I am going to, I've accepted the fact that not everybody is going to approve of everything I do. Yeah. And, you know, I see some of the dumb stuff that people who get paid a lot more than me, who have a much higher platform than me, like I see some of the dumb stuff that these men say and do and get caught and entangled in. And I'm like, well, I'm definitely not going to do that. So, I mean, it makes me feel a lot better if I get like a little something wrong. I feel that, you know, the the best part about aging is just, you know, I'm, I'm more confident. I'm just way more confident. I'm like, okay, people, reasonable people are going to know that I'm not dumb. Okay. Which is something that I had to get over. Oh, are people going to think I'm dumb? Okay. People aren't going to think I'm dumb. They might disagree, but they're not going to generally not going to think I'm dumb. Mm -hmm. And if they do now, I think you're dumb. (laughs) That's what I would say. (laughs) Good point. They, They probably are. (laughs) <laughs> they definitely are. I'm definitely stealing um, Ajay too. That's amazing. So we started this conversation talking about the women who have come before us, but now that we're in this space and looking to the next generation, what do you guys want to achieve and pass down to them? I want to normalize the idea of us being in this space to where there's enough of us to have men check themselves when they say, I'm going to tell you how to act, or I'm going to, I'm going to assume you inherently don't know enough. The more of us there are, the more power in numbers there is, and the more accepting people will be, whether or not they like it, they just will be. I want to normalize us. I want to normalize women being in spaces where you are giving your opinion, mm-hmm. not just where you talk about sports and not just report what happened, but what it means. And I feel like that is one of the barriers that we have yet to break in any kind of like mass number that like women can solicit opinions from men. You can be a moderator and you can ask the panel what they think, or you can be a sideline reporter, which is one of the toughest jobs in sports. Um, but still is sort of regurgitating what men tell you or, um, you know, reporting facts. I want to be in a space where women can say something about sports and not have someone run to see if a man verifies what you just said. That, that for me is like a huge barrier. I'd like to normalize. Um, I, I want it to be, and I'll just like expand this to all of broadcast. Uh, you know, I want you to be able to look however you feel most comfortable mm. and be on television and do your job. Um, I've had so many young ladies or young women like come to me or job shadow me and they're like, do you think I should cut my hair? Do you think I need to straighten my hair? Do you think I need to look like this? Do you know? And I'm, and I keep telling them like, however you feel comfortable is how you should be. Whatever makes you feel confident is like what you should, you know, have on or how you should present yourself. And I just don't think that guys go to their mentors and ask, do you think I should like do this with my hair? And like, I just, you know. I want to normalize women not feeling like in order to be successful in this industry, you have to go down 
one specific road or one specific path. Like just because you're a woman doesn't mean you need to be get into broadcasting, which also is not to say, you know, you shouldn't get into broadcasting, but I just want to normalize women coming into this industry and knowing that they could take up space in any way, shape, form that they want to. And I also want to normalize women being in charge of the stories told. I want women to be deciding what content gets put in print. I want women deciding what gets the cover. I want women deciding what the headline is. I want women deciding what the top story is because for far too long, we know that the people controlling that have looked one specific way and it's gotten us here and we should be here. So I just hope the next 50 years, we see women taking over newsrooms. We see women propelling women's sports to the place that it should be. And we can all look back on this panel and be like, wow, that was a long time ago. It looks a lot different. Well, well, you I mean, know, that's what the ignorant trolls are afraid of. And right, which is, right, right. Which is why they're, why they're there, which is why they're why talking they're about, we don't well, care about Candace. It's Parker. the motivation of fear and taking something rather than acceptance and adding to something. Mm-hmm. Right. We're trying to be partners. Nobody's trying to take away anything from you. I always think of right. South Park where they say, they took our job. Nobody's trying to take a job. <laughs> right. We're, but, we're trying but, to maintain ours and add to the space. There's room for all of us. The only right. people who fear equality are people who feel like they don't belong in, in the space that they're in. Or, 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 or they, they've been privileged for so long exactly. that equality feels like exactly. oppression. Exactly. Yeah. So, we're not here for that. We're just here to hang out with you. Talk about right. stuff. Right. We talk about the best teams in Chicago and they just so happen to be the Chicago Red Stars in the sky. (laughs) What do you know? It's true. (laughs) This has been another edition of the Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide from our amazing panel from Tony, from Danny. I'm Maddie Lee, and we will see you next time.